always prioritize, uh, you know, like being happy and enjoy the side project. Otherwise, you're not going to do it for a long time and find the ways to make more by spending less time on content. Welcome to Design Life, a podcast about design and side projects for motivated creators. I'm Femke. And I'm Charlie, and today we are joined by a very special guest, one of our design YouTube friends, Sara Brunatini. She's a YouTuber, a product designer, all-round wonderful person, and uh, she was on our content content creation for designers. That was what we called it, right? Yeah. Um, we did a live stream event sometime last year, I believe, and Sara dropped so many words of wisdom during that. We knew we wanted to have her come over on the podcast. We're going to talk today about monetizing side projects because this is something that all three of us have been like actively trying to do over the past year and we just want to talk about it and share what's worked for us, maybe what hasn't, and have a good chat. So welcome to Design Life, Sarah. We're so happy to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me here. I've been following your podcast, it must be for like two or three years. When did you uh, start? Uh, we started... 2015 I want to say 2016 it's been a while (laughs) yeah too long that's a long time (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) but thanks for listening to the show uh do you want to maybe just introduce yourself for our listeners tell us a little bit about who you are what you do and some of your side projects yeah sure so uh my name is Sara uh Brunettini my surname but not many people can pronounce it actually (laughs) so I just introduced myself as Sara so where should I start? I am a product designer and I've been a product designer since 2019. Previously, I was a graphic designer and in 2020, I decided to start my YouTube channel and side projects as well. I think like for many years, graphic graphic design was just my job, but it must be like in 2018 or 2019 when I went freelancing, it also became my passion. And uh, slowly I moved from freelancing and designing websites and logos for clients uh, to create content on YouTube and Instagram. So yeah, this has been a nutshell. Amazing. And I just want to say your content is so consistent. I feel like every time I open my Instagram or like look at my YouTube, uh, you know, subscriptions, like you always have something out, whether it's like a video or a reel or a post. So you've been very consistent with your content over the last two years and well done. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, um, I do my best. I create content mainly for YouTube, but also, as I say, for Instagram. I would say that the Instagram one is more casual like I don't uh, really like plan it. I don't know, maybe I got an idea. I create the post uh, and it keeps changing. Like uh, even, like I think like being consistent is important, but also adapting with technologies and trends. Because I remember when I started in uh, 2020, it was a lot about lifestyles, uh, just pictures and carousels. And now it's just about reels. So I had to adapt with a trend. And uh, yeah, it's been great so far. You were one of the first of us like design content creators that I saw really embracing reels as well. I was like, ooh, okay, this is how reels can work for what we do. Like, because now I'm seeing Sarah do it. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, I feel like you were one of the first of us to jump on reels. I still haven't jumped on it. So I'm like definitely way behind, probably falling off the wagon at this point. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you're doing your own so thing. Much. It's I'm fine. doing my own thing. Um, 
yeah, let's talk a bit about monetization then. Out of the like various side projects you have, Sarah, can you share a little bit about like which ones you're currently monetizing and what does that look like? What's kind of your strategy? Oh, okay, sure. So, um, yeah, I got different uh, income streams. Some are very small, others uh, are more profitable. Probably like um, um, a, a couple from YouTube. One is AdSense because I, after I hit like a thousand, I think like a thousand subscribers and four thousand. Uh, public watching hours I was able to start monetizing um, my content and I make I think enough money to pay for my subscriptions uh, like a newsletter awesome. web flow and all this stuff so it's nice that's great and uh, I also make I also I think that must be like a, at the end of maybe like 2021 last year that I started to monetize through sponsoring um, and um I monetize my YouTube in different ways. Like sometimes it's a dedicated uh, video where I can charge a little bit more. Sometimes it's a shout out. And recently I finally found a sponsor, I will, a brand that will sponsor my content for the next three months. And it's been great because I don't have to create content dedicated to the brand. I can just like do my own things and they will support me which is really nice. And I also, like another income stream is probably from Instagram. And I find them very, I find it interesting because uh, when a client come to me saying, we want to create an Instagram reel or some stories, I try to sell the full package with like maybe like YouTube shout out or maybe like three or four posts. And uh, yeah, this is like another way to monetize. And I forgot to mention, I also mentor. I started to do mentoring sessions. I think after seeing you, fam, uh, using Super Peer, I've always wanted to uh, do more mentoring, but I think there wasn't a tool at the time. And I, I think like using Zoom and some like weird payment methods would have been a bit strange. <laughs> it's like Super Peer solved the problem. And that is another income stream. Other than that, I think I think that's it actually. I made a video recently and I forgot what else, what other income streams. Do you count your freelancing as a side hustle income stream? Yeah, well I used to do it and then I stopped. So not anymore, but I will do. Yeah, because the way I do things is like all my side project incomes uh, uh you know on the side of my of my job. I earn everything, in, I put everything in one place and at the end of the year I pay taxes on top of that. Um, yep. So I will consider it as a side hustle. But if I was going gonna go freelance full-time, that will become my full-time job, which mm. would be very interesting. <laughs> good point, good point. Yeah, that's um great that you found a channel sponsor as well because that's what I've had with Figma for the past couple years and they keep sponsoring and so I keep being very happy about that um, and I know you have that as well don't you fam a channel sponsor yeah super fair yeah nice so that's awesome I love that brands are getting in on that um, you know in this little design content niche that we have of the of the income streams that you just listed Sarah which is the most profitable one like if we were to rank them in order think uh, sponsored content yep yeah because I can like I I was charging, I was undercharging when I started because I didn't have much experience and I was doing everything. I remember like for a year, I was creating content with my iPhone 
just iPhone. <laughs> I didn't have a camera. It wasn't professional at all. So I didn't feel comfortable um, asking for, for uh, you know, like, Interesting. Um, yeah. more money. And then I switched everything. I got uh, invested in a camera, good lighting. And I thought, okay, I want this to become a bit more professional so that, you know, I can offer more quality to my clients. And then uh, I started to feel confident about uh, um, increasing my rates. And uh, it, it's a bit sad, but... Uh, I find that brands look at uh, your followers, your uh, your viewings uh, uh, to you know to decide the, the rate. So you can't go too high if you don't have uh, fifty thousand subscribers or even more. Um, and so I started to follow this trend. Like every time I my when my um, subscribe when my number of subscribers goes up like nine nine thousand now i'm gonna charge 900 pounds for videos nice, <laughs> nice. and uh, i think it's just a matter of like testing uh, different uh, rates and see which one uh, works uh, but that's probably the most profitable but also the more time consuming so i think we need to think about like profit what is profitable mm. is like you can create more content and charge less or you can create just one thing and charge a lot. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, I, I, recently, income. I recently went through this exercise. I feel like w we all have recently talked about our like side income through a, a video or something. Uh, like I recently did a video on my 2021 side income and in that I talked about like all the different income streams. And then personally an exercise I did was like... Uh, assigning a level of effort for each of those mm. income streams and so then kind of seeing like how much I made from that income stream and the level of effort required uh, and my two highest income streams um, or one of the two highest ones was mentoring and my job board and I earned similar amounts but my mentoring the level of effort was so much higher than my job board which had a much more lower level of effort and so that for me was just a really interesting exercise. And as I've come into 2022, have been trying to think not just about like profitability or how much money I can make from an income stream, but also the level of effort required and like, is it worth it? Or like, how much effort do I want to put in and what am I going to get out of it? Um, so yeah, that's been helpful for me. That's super interesting, Femme, to to rank it that way. I really want to do that for mine. I haven't honestly sat down and thought about it in that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's super fascinating. I would probably put, because my, my highest income stream is definitely sponsorships as well. Mostly my channel sponsorship with Figma, which to me actually feels very low effort because I'm like, I was going to make the videos anyway. Right. So now I'm essentially <laughs> just giving Figma a shout out in them. And that's like, you know, no, not a whole lot of extra effort for me, but it's bringing them a lot of value, bringing me a lot of value too, because that sponsorship basically pays for my video editing. But then individual sponsored videos, dedicated ones like you were saying, Sarah, definitely take the most effort out of any sort of like income stream. So, yeah, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting to think about it that way. Um, yeah. So you, Sarah, also mentioned like AdSense on YouTube. Uh, this is not not an income stream that I have, but I know Charlie has recently been uh, considering AdSense. Charlie, do you want to share a little bit about where you're at on that income stream journey? Yes. Where I'm at on this income stream journey was as soon as I could monetize on YouTube when I first started, I did. And then when I was like watching back one of my own videos, I saw an ad for 99designs. I'm like, I almost don't want to say the name and shout them out. But like, we all know <laughs> listening to this that like 
they're not a company that I respect a lot. I feel like they contribute to a lot to the devaluing of design, you know, encouraging design competitions and yeah. low prices, things like that. Um, and that just made me feel like, whoa, I don't like this. I don't like that this company and brand that I don't agree with can advertise on my video. So someone coming to watch me gets shown this company that I don't agree with, you know. Um, so that made me consider. And then eventually I turned ads off for like five years. Um I still had some income coming through from AdSense from my previous videos because I've been on YouTube for so long now. And so that was getting me maybe like 300 bucks a month um, for those older videos. But yeah, recently I just decided that I want to level up what I'm earning from my my side projects, you know, putting in so much effort and was just feeling like I wasn't seeing my overall side project income grow a lot this year. And I was starting to think, OK, what are some ways that I can make this happen? that are kind of low effort for me as well. You know, that was also important. And so I have started testing putting ads back on my videos. Um, right now, the way I'm doing it is I turn ads on after 24 hours so that my regular viewers get the like ad-free experience to come and watch a new video when it's live. But then I get to benefit from the like, you know, residual ad income. The long tail. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. If a video gets picked up by the algorithm. And what made me decide that was I turned ads on on this video that I made about four years ago just because it was like getting a lot of views. I was like, well, let's see what happens if an old video getting views and I put ads on it. And like I made a hundred bucks within a week or two. And I was like, well, that was like literally free money. Um, <laughs> okay, I think I should do this. Um, I've also in the AdSense settings, you can block certain websites from advertising on your videos and like change the controls of what types of products can be advertised. So yeah, I did a bunch of that. And so I can feel like, okay about having ads on again and that that's where I'm at with that so my AdSense income has doubled in the past month and we'll see how it grows from there yeah that's great uh, yeah and it's all sort of like free money but uh, the thing is uh, all videos now uh, have ads at the beginning unless you sign up for YouTube premium which I haven't done and uh, I see ads on my videos, which I find it really weird. <laughs> but I also think, I don't know, maybe I can make money from it. But yeah, it's one of the subscriptions I'm not going to do. I will probably do at some point because I, just, I, I'm, I live on YouTube. I, I just love YouTube. Uh, but um, yeah, most uh, videos have, um, like we expect to see ads. That's the thing. And uh, most people have a YouTube premium and you Anyway, but yeah, it's really interesting uh, to see like both point of views. And I didn't know about that you can block uh, some uh, websites because I remember like when I was watching my favorite uh, vegan activist and at the beginning of the video, there was an advertisement from McDonald's or Burger King. Oh, no, which... that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? I don't want this. That's bad targeting on McDonald's part too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was probably not smart. <laughs> I'm curious, Sarah, do you set goals for income on on your side pro projects? Because I know, I think we did a video, uh, video, an episode about it, right, Femme? Talking about how you had set a goal of earning income from your side hustles um, in yeah. the past year. And obviously you crushed that goal. My goal is usually just to make more than the previous year, which is why I'm like trying to find new ways to earn income um, as my accounting year finishes out. But what about you? Do you set goals around it? 
Yeah, that's interesting. I think we will benefit from setting goals, uh, but I'm not doing this at the moment Mm -hmm. just because I want my side projects to be very flexible. And if one month or like maybe for three months, I don't want to do anything. I don't want the stress of, you know, like have to keep pushing content and increase my rates. I want to keep it like free and fun in a way. I think as long as I can cover my major costs, uh, my regular uh, monthly costs, I I'm happy with it and uh, yeah I feel like more like a seasonal thing like in su- in the summer I don't want to spend too much time creating content or inside I just want to enjoy the outdoor it's it's a very interesting topic and uh, yeah it would be good to know even like from other content creators but uh, I think ultimately maybe my goal is not more about uh, in you know my incomes it's more about like how I manage my time because my goal would be to spend less time on side projects, but still pushing them and making sure I am consistent. Yeah, I think, and that's great. And the fact that you said as well that you want your side projects to cover basically the money you spend on them, essentially. So that is a goal in and of itself. Yeah, totally. like if you wanted to upgrade your camera setup, for example, that means you got to make more money from the side projects to cover it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are there any like new income streams you're considering for this year? Like, do you have any ideas of, I don't know, something you'd like to try or like a new strategy you're considering in terms of making income? Yeah, it's an interesting question. So I, I'm really enjoying mentoring. So I was thinking maybe like group mentoring will be nice because in an, in an hour I can mentor five, 10 people other than everyone book individually. And uh, uh, I think that would be a good way to optimize my time, but uh, I still haven't explored this. It's just an idea for now. Uh, just keep uh, doing a YouTube. I would love to explore more uh, sort of like passive income, income streams. I don't want to call them passive because creating a course will take me months, <laughs> if not like years. Uh, but that would be like an interesting uh, thing to explore. But I also need to be mindful be- when I take on a new side project. I will probably need to drop another one because <laughs> I can't keep up with everything. But yeah, it'd be interesting to to hear like from you if you're experimenting with new forms of like incomes. I think for me is my community, which technically I started in like November of 2021. But for me, it is like my kind of big new income stream focus for 2022 or like my big kind of value add. Like I'm trying to figure out strategically, like how can I uh, bring people from the YouTube channel to the community or like what's kind of like my funnel, right? Like where do people discover me? And then where do they like, you know, eventually Uh, come and join my community. Yeah. And sign up. So that for me, I think is my biggest focus of uh, like trying to bring more of my time and value to the community and make that like the real value add space. And then my YouTube would kind of almost be like my like discovery or like acquisition kind of channel as opposed to like where I'm giving all of my value. So yeah, that's been uh, something I've thinking been thinking about. I've also been thinking about more like kind of workshops, like one-off workshops and giving those at like conferences or maybe even at boot camps potentially, like becoming part of boot camp curriculum. Uh, I'm on the fence about it because I feel like it's going to be a really big commitment and take a lot of time. So I'm not sure if it's something I want to do while I'm working full time. Maybe it's something I'll save for the future if and when 
I've become like more independent, but it is something I'm thinking about um, maybe trying this year. Not sure yet. I like that because boot camps are already playing your videos in them anyway. So it's like, it'd be great if they could actually pay you for that. Uh, Not shady at all. Thanks, Charlie. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, in general, like I'd love to, uh, you know, like be part of the curriculum and like, you know, a few times a quarter come and give like a half day workshop at a boot camp or something and help their students. Uh, I would love to do that. Yeah. For now, it's just more of a like time constraint as to why I'm not pursuing it. Yeah, it sounds great. And I think I would love it too, actually. I never thought about that, uh, like a bit of teaching, like doing different things uh, and not just having like a regular nine to five job. It's a bit like, and have you, have you ever thought about turning uh, your side hustles uh, maybe into a full time in the future? And I'm saying because actually this morning something interesting happened. I saw a friend of mine from my previous job. He was the head of uh, ex- customer experience on my previous job. And uh, now he left to start his personal training business. He was already like training once a week. He was doing some classes after work and he turned his side hustle into a, you know, his future job. And I was so excited and inspired by him. I was like, wow, that's like, that's really impressive. Like that was like your thing, the thing that you did on the side and now you can do it full time. It's great. That's cool. Definitely. It's something I'm I have as a long-term goal as to like when that's going to happen. I don't know yet, Uh, but it's, it's definitely something I've been thinking more and more about in the last year as I've been able to prove to myself that I can make an income from this and like there's yeah, a, a lot good of income too yeah uh and still have a lot of creative freedom over like you know the content I want to make so yeah I think for me it's something I have as a long-term goal we'll see when I eventually get there yeah and for me I wouldn't be happy like as a person if I went full-time doing my side projects as they are now because I know that to like be creatively fulfilled, I also need to be hands-on doing design work, really invested in like a web project, that sort of thing. Uh, and I don't do any sort of freelancing at the moment on the side. I am just like basically making content, making products, things like that. Um, so yeah, I have thought about what services and things I might want to want to offer to yeah to to fill that bucket, I guess, creative bucket. Um, if I was to go independent. But yeah, as my side projects are right now, it would not suit me to do them full time. So that's why I'm sort of like you, Sarah, in that I want to keep them going, but I also want to minimize the time that I spend on them as well. Um, And I tend to just like outsource a lot to make that happen. So it's like, okay, well, if I want to start something new, how am I going to like make what I'm already doing easier for me? Like, even if it means paying someone else to do it for me. Uh, so that I can put my efforts into something else that I'm excited about. Yeah, yeah. Be keen on uh, hearing more about outsourcing because this is something that I've done uh, a little bit, but I'm so protective with my videos and my content. Like I know the way I want it, and also, I don't know if it's partially is because English is not my first language, but sometimes I record the same clip like ten times uh, before I get oh, it same. right yeah. because I keep up yeah. oh, like, <laughs> again. <laughs> And, uh, and so I'm kind of like ashamed at like Aww. handing over my Aww. files. <laughs> That's why I was like, no, I'm going to do it. But it can take a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe there's also like other things outside of 
the video editing that you could begin outsourcing and like start there. Mm. Like, I don't know, maybe it's like uh, the sort of back and forth you might have with a client sending them an invoice and like getting over the script for the shout out video. Like maybe that could be something you could potentially delegate as a first step. And then like you build that trust with that person and eventually maybe they could edit your videos. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I find that that's been really helpful for me. And I think also just like, it's hard, but just like kind of getting over it and like knowing that you're going to make mistakes. And I think like the video editor I work with also like knows that that's just part of the job. Uh, and I think having a close relationship with that person can help also like take away some of that embarrassment too, right? Like mm. if it's a total stranger that you don't know, like that's probably more embarrassing than someone who you have a bit of a closer relationship with. I was the same though, Sarah, starting out when I first started outsourcing, I would like be filming and then completely restart because I was like, oh no, I don't want to send Nancy that clip because I screwed up like three times, you know. Uh, yeah. But now, now Nancy gets many, many <laughs> clips from me <laughs> that are terrible. <laughs> and, you know, she doesn't judge me for it. And I know that she will, will pick the right one. Usually the best one is the last one, like the last time I say the phrase. So, you know, it, it's turned out well. Uh, and there are sometimes feedback rounds and things, but... I think working with someone over a period of time, they get to know what your preferences are and like what your style is too. And because you have edited your own videos for so long, they've got like all these examples to look at, right? Of of how you like your videos edited. So yeah, that, that could be an option too. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, I'll, I'm really glad that I'm, we're having this conversation <laughs> because I've always, feeling, I've always felt like the only one or, you know, no, like... definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> when, when you look because that's the reality right when we look on youtube all the, like everything is like perfect but you nobody knows like the struggles they went behind creating videos and for sure i struggled a lot at the beginning and um, yeah uh, i think I'm, I'm very grateful that over the past few years i've been able to like streamline my process and just uh if before it will take me like four hours to film a video now it takes like one hour and, uh, and that is great. But uh, as you said before, fam, like um, proving myself that I can make money and it can be like a regular income, I think will be good because um, I've always wanted to explore uh, like this uh, uh, full-time content creator or maybe like freelancer content creator route. And uh, But yeah, I think I need to prove it to myself before. But it's difficult when you're juggling a full-time job for sure. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah, there is those time constraints. Some of my favorite income that I get monthly is from sales of my font because it's starting to feel like passive income, like kind of, because when I made that font, I spent so long on it, like so many hours were invested into it um, and it made good sales in its first year. So that kind of like paid back the time I spent on it. So now in its second year, it's like, cool. Now it's like, great. Every month, maybe I make like a hundred bucks each yeah. month on it so it's not big money but it, it feels like passive income because I made the font so long ago you know so yeah that's that's been a fun one I feel like you would do well with the digital product oh yeah yeah I bought your font actually oh. <laughs> yeah I you used it too yeah yeah I, I've seen you use it in your thumbnails videos website I can't remember where I saw you use it yeah <laughs> You talked earlier, Sarah, about like starting to streamline a little bit of your process. Can you share a little bit of what that looks like? I feel like for some of our listeners, they'd be really curious to hear like 
how you how you did that and what your process has been yeah sure I think it's always like a work in progress but it's always something that you can improve and I'm learning a lot but for me things like having the camera right in front of me instead of like putting together like the tripod or yes. the lighting right. that helps so much and uh, I didn't know this until like I always find an excuse I can't be bothered to film uh, because I have to do this, that. Like, it was stressful even before I started filming a video. But now I've got, uh, like, everything in front of me. So, basically, I can just press record and it's it's all done. And also, like, um, finding ways of, like, creating uh, something silly, like a thumbnail, you know. There are so many ways to create a thumbnail. But sometimes, like, having an idea or, like, an angle in your room where that can enable you to like create thumbnails quickly and they look good. I think that's like a shortcut in a way. And uh, from mentoring, uh, maybe like having templates uh, can help me speed up the process, like sending the same stuff to like people so that at the beginning uh, I can align everyone. Uh, but yeah, there are many things that you can do to just um, streamline the process. And uh Maybe like creating like a sort of like design system is also good, like a collection of fonts and colors that you use. And I think you both do it very well. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious to hear if any of you have ever like purposefully stopped an income stream because we've talked about starting new ones, right? But is there any that you have actively decided not to earn from anymore? I kind of did that with ads and now I'm back to it again. Um, And I think me and Femme talked about it in the previous episode, but I shut down my Patreon recently um, as well as an income stream. But yeah, have you ever stopped an income stream for any reason? I stopped doing like sponsored videos. Okay. You've completely stopped. So like if I used to do a full on sponsored video, so like the whole video, 10 minutes long. Yeah. Like about this tool for a client, uh, you know, think of any design tool. I've probably made a sponsored video for it. Uh, and so I used to do those and it was just, it's the most time consuming thing I've ever done. It was yeah, so much work because you're doing a full 10 minute video for a client you got to do like the outline, the script or the visuals, get them to proof it, maybe do some re-recordings if, if there's things that are not right. And uh, I didn't want to do it anymore. So I decided to stop doing that. And instead, that's when I started doing uh, like working with Superpair to do a more channel sponsorship to replace that income, basically. Uh, so, yeah, I no longer do the full 10 minute sponsored videos. Uh, I still do the little like shout outs, like 30, 60 seconds integrated in a video, but no longer doing the full 10 minute videos yeah and can you make the same uh, money because i find that like with sponsors i cannot charge the same amount per video yeah so i with my channel sponsorship it's a monthly fee rather than a per video fee so i basically am charging the monthly price for channel sponsorship is basically about the same as what I did charge for a dedicated video. So rather than having to do one dedicated sponsored video a month, now I can just create my own content and have like Superpair as my channel sponsor. And I think we have an agreement of like a minimum of two videos per month. But if I create more, like that's just bonus like for them. Uh, so yeah, for me, having it as a monthly fixed price uh, has like replaced that income and is more sustainable for me that I don't feel like I need to like make a video to get the money because it's not tied to like every individual video if that makes sense yeah totally yeah that's interesting and um 
I think I'm I'm still like taking on some sponsored video, but probably less than last year. Yeah. Because as you said, we are very time consuming. And I think like if you're like a, if you're just starting out uh, as a content creator, um, well, these opportunities will come to you. But just uh, keep in mind that it will be more work, uh, probably more stress. And uh, at the beginning, I think it's nice because you see like, oh, this brand wants to work with me. Yeah. We can do like some like really cool stuff. It's flattering. Yeah. But then it becomes like, oh, now I have to learn about how to use this tool. I want to see if it works for me. And yeah. I don't know you, but I, I find that like most tools, I will find them useful if it was a freelance designer. But because I work, mm. I don't, we don't use them. So there's no really point for me. Yeah, I kind of like uh, actually was inspired a bit by Charlie, to be honest, like started sort of bringing in a policy of like, well, if I don't use the tool or like if I don't know the company and I'm not excited about it, then this isn't for me. Like, it's not a good fit. I don't think we should engage in a collaboration. And I kind of learned that through this, this lesson of like taking on these opportunities with tools I hadn't heard of and spending like days trying to learn their tool uh, and like Honestly, in some cases, I didn't think their tool was that great, but I made the video anyway because I'd engaged in like a, you know, a agreement with them. Yeah. And so I didn't want to do that anymore. So that's why I've kind of stopped, stopped engaging with those opportunities. And uh, have you ever like tried to work with a brand and they didn't want to work with you because uh, I did it a yeah. few times. Uh, I just, oh, no, sorry, your channel is not big enough. And, uh, and I was so frustrated because, oh, I actually like do love your brand. I want to work with you. Mm. And is it just a matter of like subscribers uh, and views per hour or I don't know? Yeah, I have had that before where I've tried to, I've tried to reach out to a past client and tried to work with them in a, in a different way. Uh, like, oh, I know we did this last time. Now I'm, you know, are you interested in doing this other thing? And they weren't like, because it wasn't part of their like marketing strategy or whatever. Uh, so, you know, yeah, sometimes that happens where even though maybe you're a good fit for each other, you know, they have different priorities at the time, which is unfortunate. It's a lot of work to like manage the communications with a lot of, you know, brand deal clients as well. I, that's why I like, mostly I work with Figma and Webflow <laughs> like those are the, they're the brands that I work with most often you know they're easy to deal with we like each other we trust each other it's like it's a good relationship you know um like last year when I was producing Inside Marketing Design season two I was like I want to find a sponsor this year because this show is a hell of a lot of effort to make right. and it's going to be very expensive to have it all edited for me and everything uh, I need a sponsor and Webflow was the first and only brand that I reached out to because I was like, hey, should we work together on this? And they were like, yes, let's do it. It's <laughs> awesome. So before we wrap up, Sarah, any words of advice or like wisdom that you want to share to our listeners who are, you know, maybe they already have a few side projects, haven't started monetizing them yet, have to take that big step. What advice would you have? Okay, sure. Probably my first one is... Uh to try different rates to see which one works best and not just focus on one, like this is the maximum I can charge. Just reach out to other content creators. Some of them are quite transparent. Like I wouldn't mind, or actually like all my rates are on my website. So it's public <laughs> knowledge. <laughs> but just to have an idea of how much people would charge. And um, 
Second, maybe like not get too attached to the money. Just keep making sure that you still enjoy the side project because I've done this mistake in the past, like compromising. Like I, I hate this. I don't want to do it, but it's making me so much money. So I'm going to do it. Um, so yeah, always prioritize, uh, you know, like being happy and enjoy the side project. Otherwise, you're not going to do it for a long time and find the ways to make more by spending less time on content. And um yeah, I think, yeah, I think that those are my main takeaways. <laughs> uh, anything else to add? Those are great pieces of advice. Yeah, those are I all love like that. gold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The making sure that you're keeping keeping yourself enjoying your side projects above all else and that the money doesn't get in the way of that or your own like, you know, your own brand and your own reputation as well is super important. So thanks, Sarah. Great words. Yeah, totally. Well, Sarah, where can our listeners go to find you online? What's uh, your website, Twitter? Where can people find you? Yeah, sure. I am on YouTube, Sarah Brunettini, B-R-U-N-E-T-T-I-N-I. I'm also on Instagram at saretta.ux and uh, on Twitter, same, Sarah Brunettini. Where else can they find me? Um, I think that's it. I'm also in Brighton in the UK. <laughs> Let's not I... encourage people to go find you there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I used to attend lots of like meetups, uh, Ladies yeah. That UX uh, and all these kinds of things. But I, I got really worried. After the lockdown, I haven't been very consistent. But yeah, why not meeting in, in person? That would be great. Awesome. <laughs> I love it. We'll link all of Sarah's things in the show notes as well. You can go follow her there. And Femme, where can people go to find more episodes of this show? Yeah. If you want to listen to more Design Life episodes, you can go to designlife.fm. You can find us on Twitter at designlife.fm. And if you have a topic or a guest, I suppose, that you yeah, would like yeah. us to have on the show, uh, let us know. You can also reach out to us via email through our website. Yeah, we don't have guests very often, so... That's true. Is, you, you are special, special occasions. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. thanks. <laughs> if we get enough requests for a particular guest, we'll, we'll consider it. <laughs> yeah, we'll consider it. I love that. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks so much for being here, Sarah. It was great to, to have you on the show. You're welcome. Thanks you very much. All right. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.